Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Lippman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hi, Amanda. It's almost July 4th. It's tomorrow. It's a, it's a holiday, extended holiday weekend here in the United States. I was absolutely shocked to find out that July 3rd is not an official federal holiday. Uh, so was I. So was a colleague of ours who <laughs> scheduled jury duty service with the hopes that he would only be eligible for three days of the week. But no, no, July 3rd on the docket. I would, this was like unbelievably shocking to me. So here we are. We're going to talk about some July 4th racks, some summer racks, a new addition to the cool man list who honestly has been overlooked for too long. We'll come back to that only by us, not by the world, by the way. And to begin with, I wanted to talk about this article in the New York times last week, written by Alexandra Alter and Elizabeth Harris about how review bombing on Goodreads is impacting many books and like kind of the publishing industry in general, which I honestly found shocking. Anyway, the thrust of the story is that bad reviews on Goodreads that come out before books are published is basically like ruining book certain books chances to succeed. And this caught my eye because I happened to be reading the first example in the article. It's Everything's Fine by Cecilia Robess. And I'm reading it because my favorite person, Zadie Smith, my style icon and life icon, uh, recommended it in The Guardian. So I was like, oh, cool. And then this article came out and I was like, huh, interesting. 
Amanda, neither of us really participate in book talk or Goodreads, but they like have such a huge impact on publishing these days. Yes. So I have not read the book that you are currently reading. Though I did, as as soon as you mentioned Zadie Smith, I was like, I would like to add Zadie Smith's essay about the film Tar, tar uh, to, sure. to our docket here. Anyway, but as soon as you told me, I, I saw this New York Times piece and I immediately thought of the Elizabeth Gilbert affair, which was maybe like a, a month ago. But what's like a similar situation where Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love, among other things, took to the internet to announce that she was pulling the release of her upcoming novel because it was set in Russia in the 1930s. And there was a lot of feedback, particularly on Goodreads, that releasing a novel about a Russian family at this time in the world, given the continued Russian invasion of Ukraine, was not a thing that people on Goodreads and at, on the internet at large, wanted to see happen. And so she pulled the book. It's completely absurd. I mean, I don't. I won't say Elizabeth Gilbert is particularly deserving of sympathy. Like, I think everything's fine, to quote Cecilia Robess. Yeah. But that's, like, completely ridiculous. You think that, like, Russia can't be a subject, a Russian family can't be the subject of fiction? It's and nuts. I have not read the novel, but I... No, no one has. N- no one has, but some of the reporting suggested that it was about a Russian family resisting the authoritarian Russian government. So uh, in in some form or another, again, I don't know, but that it could even politically like speak to the moment, but I can't really say. I did also then read some conspiracy theories. Again, this is all just like... It, wild internet at this point that Elizabeth Gilbert was like pulling the book or that the publishers decided to pull the book because given the Goodreads feedback and the review bombing, it became very clear that the book would not be commercially successful when released. And so if they pulled it now, perhaps it could be released at another date without this cloud. And, and is that a conspiracy theory? Okay. Like that seems well, like, a, a light, a likely story. Sure, I mean, I like, I, I would agree. It's uh, when I say conspiracy theory, I just am repeating things I read on the internet without gotcha. without proof. You know? Yeah. So the Cecilia Robest book is really interesting, and I hope I'm saying I'm saying her last name correctly. I think I am. It is about a a young black woman in New York who starts working at Goldman Sachs, who has a relationship with another with another guy she knows from college. I think they go to Harvard. Who also is working at Goldman Sachs, and just about like her her difficulty with this guy specifically. He is a white and conservative, and she is black. And in the book, they repeatedly reference how she has like a Marxist streak, and it's basically about how like they fall in love. And the political problems that they face with each other. But it's like actually a really nuanced and really sharp and like acerbic book that I've, I'm really enjoying. I'm, I'm like just ra- racing through it. And a lot of the feedback on book talk and Goodreads, or I shouldn't even, I, calling it feedback, it's like dignifying it. The criti- The criticism was that it should be more of like a romance novel and less with less politics in it. And I believe that people, according to this article in the cut by Faith Cummings, who did a Q and a with Cecilia Rabes, people on Goodreads and book talk said, <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but like, this is so absurd. People said it's really trying to give enemies to lovers. But when we say enemies to lovers, we don't mean oppressor and oppressed. 
And just sort of like the fact that race as a part of it seemed to just bother this romance novel reading audience. And it's so absurd. And the thing that really sucks is that unlike Elizabeth Gilbert, Cecilia Rabess, this is her debut novel. So it's like impacting her career. So, okay, hold on. I've got a lot of questions. So my first question is, how did you acquire the book? Via Amazon.com. Okay, so it's... So it's still available. It hasn't been pulled. It's just been like review bombed to the point that it's affecting sales. Okay. So that I just want to, I didn't know whether you had ordered like the British version from Amazon.com UK because Zadie Smith recommended it in the Guardian. Okay. So, so I'm glad you brought that up though. You can come back, come back. So it's become a, a lightning rod of controversy. Has that positively affected its sales? No, it has not circled around yet because it's it's a romance. It's aspiring to the romance market. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is a lot of it. A lot of the problem seems to be in the marketing. I think if this was positioned less as like a romance novel and less as like something steamy and, and was actually more like political literary fiction, it probably would not have caught the attention of these irate review bombers because it also might not have sold in a different way. That's what's so fascinating about it. It's like uh, the romance market is having a huge moment. And some might say is like lifting up the book industry right now. When I go to any place that is like any, any target, basically I'm a, I'm a target regular. There's just a section of Colleen Hoover books and then a section of books that are designed to look like Colleen Hoover books, any book talk, display of which there is one in every single bookstore that you go to now has a lot of of romance but it's not just tiktok also it it seems like it spans generations there's also like a very engaged online audience who weren't being served books that they want to read and so created their own independent market and a lot of the romance success comes from people it started with people self-publishing and then the industry like took notice and was like, oh, we could make money off of this if we like actually engaged with this type of writing. But so it's interesting. That's both like really positive in that there is a group of like engaged readers who weren't seeing what they wanted represented in the market, both like from a genre perspective, I think from a perspective of uh, representation and the characters and the types of people, but then they also feel like a an ownership, which is like a good thing and also a a strange thing. Yeah. And is is kind of mutating in unusual ways. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like there's no room for literary fiction by women, I think is kind of like where we're at at the moment. Cause I feel like there or new or newer rising voices. Cause I feel like there are certain people who get who, like they, they're established, so they know how to be marketed. Like Jennifer Egan, I don't feel like she's like a victim of this, but you know, I can't think of that many books, like literary fiction by women, that I feel like have made a really big impact in a while. I mean, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. That's true. That's a, that's a good example. Was an absolute sensation. Good Not point. a debut novel, but did sort of transcend, and I do think is literary definitely fiction, even if we. It's literary genre fiction in the best way. Like yeah, it reminds me of exactly. like Michael Shabon in, in that in that way totally. too. But that's a, that's a good point. I just think I don't know. I just like as like a lover of literary fiction, I feel like it's like a smaller and smaller market of new voices. Well, 
Yes. I mean, I, that's a separate thing is that, and we've talked about it before on this podcast where literary fiction is in a really tough place yeah. because it doesn't sell when it's marketed as literary fiction. It doesn't sell anymore. And I don't think I don't want to like blame genre fiction and romance fiction in particular yeah. for that because it's that has like I like both. I like both as well. And also, you know, I do feel like that audience has really like revived reading, writing, (laughs) interest in books, (laughs) women writing things. All of that is really positive. The like the fan culture of it is just fascinating. And that and that is like not it's interesting to see it applied to books. It is a familiar double-edged sword in almost every form of culture at this point. I also co-host a movie podcast, so I'm really familiar with like fan culture's incursion into that genre. It, it happens in TV as well. Well, that's such a good Pop point. music. Remember last summer when Beautiful World, Where Are You by Sally Rooney came out? Like There were like, these bucket yes. hats and like there was like merch as part of the promotional plan. And that's like a sure. similar to... That's a part of fan culture. I don't know. And it's like this, everything's fine. Reminds me of Otessa. I forgot how to say her last name. Mushfeg. Yeah. Thank you. Who And I love my year of rest and relaxation. It's like one of my favorite books I've read. I would say this is like more similar to that than any other book I've read lately. And I mean, that was a huge compliment, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I think that book is like definitely a hit, but is it a huge hit? I don't know. Oh, Tessa Mushfeg's book or? Yeah, May Your Restoration. Yeah, I think it's a it's a moderate hit. It's also, she's a sensation. There's an adaptation of her novel, Eileen, coming out at the end of this year. I saw it at Sundance. It stars Anne Hathaway. Oh. And Otessa Mushfeg wrote the screenplay adaptation, co-wrote it with her husband, which is just aspirational for me personally. And I thought it was very good. If you are interested in her and you haven't read Eileen, I would recommend not reading Eileen before seeing the film because there I I felt like I walked in with the right context, which is I had read my year of re- rest and relaxation and was familiar like with her style and world. So I wasn't totally jarred by the entrance into the film, but I didn't know what was going to happen in this particular film. So it preserved it was like the right amount of knowledge anyway. But I, I agree with you. So she's doing well. I, I would say well, she like she sort of well. <laughs> me, me too. But and it, but you're right that it that does seem sort of like the the path to literary success at this point, which is to be able to write your novels and then do like other projects yeah. that support it. Which maybe also is a segue to to Queen Zadie Smith and her film criticism. That that's true. I just I just wanted to add one one thing. Yeah, which is that another person quoted in the book is Roxane Gay, who like has had you know, the courage to be controversial or like only controversial some or really be forthright. And also, you know, as a black woman and, and Cecilia mm-hmm. Robes is a black woman too. And I think that obviously Elizabeth Gilbert is not, but like, I do think there is absolutely a racial component to this too, of like review bombing, you know, work that is, that is direct by black women. And it's like, just so, it's just so shitty. I feel so bad for a first, like a debut novelist for this happening to her in particular. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. I am going to buy the book now. I, I'm really enjoying it. And honestly, a, maybe like a tiny bit as like a political act, but like mostly because you made it sound interesting. Yeah, and it, I trust it is. And I trust you and Zadie Smith. And yeah. I was like, oh, that sounds like something I would like to read. It's a great so, summer read. Like it's, it's pretty fast paced. 
it's really, great. really familiar to like the young woman professional experience. And it's great. I don't know. I just like, it, it's not a controversial book in my opinion. So I don't, I, it's so stupid. Maybe we can spin the Goodreads thing around, you know, I hope it so. starts here. I hope okay. so. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Let's talk about Zadie Smith, who she recommended some other books. Literally, I went, I sent, I sent this to you, Amanda. Oh yeah, you did. It was great. The Guardian had a bunch of writers and like public people recommend their recommend books to their summer reading list, and I, I bought like I immediately bought like four or five out of ease. I need to pull that up now. I was at the farmers market when you sent it to me. It was a great list. There's like it's like something for everyone on there. There's a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Thanks, thanks to the Guardian for. You know, putting putting books first. Anyway, Zadie Smith, she always has great racks. I will say I originally read Conversations with Friends because it was blurbed by Zadie Smith. So literally anything she likes, okay. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll give it a Which shot. Which is just like an incredible meta-textual <laughs> just moment. Respect to Zadie Smith again. If you haven't read Conversations with Friends, you might recognize one of the characters in the book as someone who might have some Zadie Smith elements to her as well. Love it. I do too. Love Zadie Smith. Particularly love her film criticism, which she often writes for the New York Review of Books. And so Amanda was delighted when you texted me about her essay about Tar, which came out a couple of months ago, I think. I think so, in print, but yeah. it w- was posted online. Oh. Uh, and so that's when I got it second when I, we, I, 
There's no like non-pretentious way to say this, but like the, the, we are subscribers to the New York Review of Books in this house. But like I obviously never read it in print, even though it shows up. So it's like been in our house, and I, and the Philistine who didn't read it till it was posted online. Our our brains are all diseased. Anyway, I texted you once I had read it online because it was electrifying. <laughs> it was as just incredible movie criticism, but not just film criticism. I think that it is a wonderful engagement with one of my favorite films of the last five years, Tar, starring Kate Blanchett, written and directed by Todd Field. See it if you haven't, but also you don't have to have seen it to read this essay, which is like about the movie, but also basically generational criticism and the best distillation of Gen X that I've, and also the best defense of Gen X that I've ever seen in my life. Of all of her gifts, her greatest gift is her ability to discuss film in the written word. She is, Mm -hmm. it's just so good and so insightful. It's, you know, she has an entire book of essays that is like cultural criticism, basically, which everyone should get. I think it's called Feels Good by Zadie Smith. Yeah, but the thing about this, and as someone who like loves movies, what I appreciated is that she uses this wonderful film as like a springboard just to talk about the world. Yeah. And it's like... She's well-matched to the particular film because it is, if you haven't seen Tar, it's about a a, a world-famous composer who's made up, Lydia Tar, but it's about a cultural luminary, like a significant person of the arts and what that life is like and how we understand art and ambition and power through those people. And, you know, Zadie Smith is also... A, a cultural luminary and so can like specifically talk to the portrayal of that world of that generation. There's a very famous scene in the film where the Kate Blanchett character has sort of an ideological standoff with a younger student. I was like, it's, it's, it's amazing. One take scene, like instantly famous, but that, you know, is like a great springboard for Zadie Smith to talk about her own interactions with like, the the younger g- generation and i just i thought it was great it was a great piece about art and ideas and life and yeah. i just th- no one does it better it's, it's really true i mean she also just like brings a lot of dignity to pop culture in a way that i really appreciate by how yeah. how deep she goes the only other person i think who really does it in the same way is wesley morris and totally and it's sort of like you know as a lover of pop culture, very validating because I love Zadie Smith and Wesley Morris. So, <laughs> same. Check I love out, both guys. of those people. You yeah, can it's wonderful. For free to read the article, Juliet. Have you seen the film Tar? No, yet? but it's actually on my my summer. It's on my list of things to watch. Not just okay. my, like top of the list is Black Mirror season whatever the most recent one, sure. and then Tar is very high. And I'm also currently watching Last Tango in Halifax, moving through that very slowly. So, what is that? It's a British television show about two okay. septuagenarians who reconnect and get married very quickly and how their families relate to it. But it's, it's very good. It won like a lot of, I think it won some BAFTAs and stuff. Who are the septuagenarians in question? One was in, uh, what was that Emma Thompson show on HBO a few summers ago? I forget her name. It's the person who's, who is like most famous to me who's in it is Nicola Walker, who's also in The Split on Hulu, which I highly recommend. It's Anne Reed and Derek Jacoby. Those are the leads. Okay. Sarah Lancashire is just like all over British television and Tony Gardner, I, you know. It's, a, it's a, like the equivalent of like 
all of the great TV character actors coming together for one miniseries. Right. That one yeah. went okay. on for four seasons because it was so beloved, even though it was just supposed to be one. Is it a comedy? Is it warm-hearted? Is it it's warm-hearted a, a bummer? No, definitely not okay. a bummer. I don't do bummer okay, TV good. these days, except for Black Mirror. Okay. I don't want to be depressed. I just want to. I just want to watch warm-hearted British programming. I completely agree with you. I just, you know, so you you have to ask follow-up questions with you and your viewing <laughs> recommendations because sometimes you just don't know where I, they came from. I will say, like a lot of my TV recommendations are probably like mostly for people like sixty and older, and me and my friend that's Catherine. Okay. But yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> okay, so this is like squarely for call the midwife hive. Absolutely, yes. Okay, right, but but perhaps. Is there a lot of like dramatic medical stuff no, in this film? No, but okay, a lot so of, like, that's good. There's like some class stuff, and there's also oh, okay. this is like British countryside living. There's no cities to be spoken of in this show, which I also find interesting because usually it's like if it's not in London, it's in Manchester. So I recommend it. Okay, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> it's good. But I plan to watch Tar, and I'll report back. Yeah. Okay, can I give you one more Please. movie to recommend? Just I believe. Yeah, it's my favorite movie of the year so far that I've seen. It's a film called Past Lives. I want to see this. Uh, written and directed by Celine Song. It stars Greta Lee, and who is wonderful. And I hope that she is nominated for a, an Oscar. She's like just been working a long time. I'm happy for her to be getting her day. Yeah, in the it's sun. amazing. You don't you don't really see a 40-year-old woman like get a breakthrough role like this in Hollywood. So that's awesome. You know what's um, interesting? She, this is, she is Korean-American, right? And yes. Celine Song is Korean-American as well, right? Korean-Canadian. Korean-Canadian. I, I feel like Asian women are leading the way with this in movies right now because I feel like it's similar to what happened with Michelle Yeoh and like, I just feel like there are, there's more creativity going into some of these roles for Asian women than there are for other people right now. It's cool to see. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. This is a incredibly specific, personal, and I and I think somewhat autobiographical film by Celine Song about she immigrated from Korea to Canada when she was, I think, twelve or thirteen, and you know now is working in the U.S. and that's all kind of covered in the movies. But it's about an interaction that she has with her childhood sweetheart, mm. essentially who comes to the U S and I don't want to say any more than that because it's like a, it's just a, it's a character study and you also just want to know what happens. And I have never seen a movie stick the landing like this. I haven't seen a movie stick the landing like this in like five years. Honestly, I was so moved and like excited. Cause I was like, Oh, they did it when I watched the ending. So, and then it's one of those movies where, you want to talk about it with people afterwards because there is, in addition to it being this very specific story, there's a lot of like, oh, what would you do in this situation? Like, what are you, th- it opens up a lot of questions about our own lives and how we handle, you know, change and relationships and distance and who we are and where we are in time and how we evolve as people. So, it rules. It's so good. It's opening. It it was like very limited release, but now I think it's wider. So you might be able to see it in theaters and go see it in theaters. 
if only so you can like then overhear people arguing in the bathroom, which is like what I did. You know, it's one of those. And that's really, really fun. The, the women who I ever heard were just like totally wrong. Their takes were terrible, but it still it was delightful. I have great news. Last Tango in Halifax yeah. is also about the reconnecting of childhood sweethearts. So, oh, they're childhood sweethearts. Yes. That's nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. So okay. thema- wonderful thematic recommendations. There you go. Anyway, past lives. Great stuff. Great. And and romantic, you know? Yeah, it so, sounds great. Yeah. I'm going to see that and uh, Asteroid City. Can't wait. I also loved Asteroid City. If you're a Wes Anderson person, go see Asteroid City. Can't wait. I was hoping that you could tell me about a book, which is I would love to hear some of the facts that you learned from Marissa Meltzer's book about Glossier, which I believe is called Glossy, right? Yes, it is called Glossy by Marissa Meltzer. It is out in September. And Marissa is a friend of mine and sent me an early copy, which I devoured because... As the Jessica Bressler pull quote on the back says, it's like Devil Wears Prada, but the beauty industry and, to, and true. I thought it's, it is about the company Glossier, a beauty company, yes, which everyone's probably familiar with. But it's also really about like the last 10 years in business, women, girl bosses, aesthetics, marketing, retail, it just kind of encapsulates all of these trends and ideas and sticky points that I feel like were embedded into my brain because of Instagram and because of the way though, like I've just been like bombarded by the world for a, a decade, but it like articulates and analyzes all of these things that I don't know, shape the way that the world or at least the internet and mm-hmm. Instagram looks and the way that we expect things to look. And I found that like really fascinating because it's not just that, you know, they sold boy brow or whatever. It's like the way that they sold things and the it, packaging, it, you know, it's about yeah. the packaging, but it's also just like about money and how they raised money. There's just, there's like so much that Glossier like brings together in terms of the, the way we like buy and sell the way we live and now. think about things. Yeah. It's fascinating. I really recommend it. It is also has a lot of access to Emily Weiss, the super intern Did, from the Hills, of course, from the Hills. Of course. Did she give that access after she was ousted from the company? Yeah, no, yes and no, as I understand it. So Marissa spoke to Emily several times throughout the reporting of this book. And also she had written about Emily before because Marissa is is a journalist who covers the beauty industry. So she had done a few profiles and then she spoke to Emily a few times. It's interesting where it's, you know, this isn't like a Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs, like authorized biography right. of, which is good because those often are a, a, the avoid the, the hard person's, subjects. Yes, the person's the the subject's vision rather than the journalist a, col- yeah. a collective vision. Exactly. So, but she does speak to Emily a few times. Emily Weiss continues to be very precise about her own image and also very good at obfuscating questions or things that she doesn't want to discuss. But 
I, Marissa does a great job, I think, of putting that in context of the creation of the Emily Weiss image and Emily Weiss as as a brand and as the person who sold Glossier and whose you know whose whose face was the reason that you you know bought drugstore moisturizer for like thirty dollars or whatever. That's not true. That's it was less expensive than that. And I also like their moisturizer, but you know what I'm saying. So she does participate, but it's it's like clear that Emily Weiss doesn't love not being in the driver's seat of her own image, you know? Sure. Which is fascinating. And like, I I get it. Who among us? And also in this age of everyone's their own brand and managing their like own image or whatever, like she's the poster woman for that. So of course there is like some tension, but yeah, she's in it. It is pretty gossip, gossipy to anyone else would sound reductive. Here, there's just like a lot of like very good details about, you know, her affinity for Copenhagen and uh, <laughs> what happened at like Camp Glossier or maybe it was Stockholm. I can't even remember. Scandinavia. Shout out to Spotify and Lucas Matson. Totally. A, a, a beautiful place. You know, little details about like gift bags at holiday parties and that sort of thing. So that's all really fun. And then just a lot of business reporting, a lot of cultural reporting. I thought it was a great synthesis of like the weird world we've all been living in on Instagram for the last 15 nice. years. All right, I'm, so I'm I recommend it, it. I will say I never, I never bought a Glossier product. You know, it still exists. Yeah, I know. I've in s- fact, it's being sold in, in, S- Sephora, in Sephora now. now. I think I'm actually more likely to buy it now that it's in Sephora, but I, I never have. I think that that was definitely the reason that they put it in Sephora. That also is a, that was a tension of that's a post Emily Weiss's yes. CEO thing. Interesting. Um, the decision to do that. All right. Well, I'm going to definitely read it in the fall. I look forward to it. Let's move on to our last topic of the day, which is enshrining another cool guy in the cool guy hall of fame. Um, my brother and many others pointed this out, apparently including our coworkers, Chris and Sean. And they're absolutely right. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Very cool, cool guy. Yeah. It's just in- incredibly cool. He e- He's even making getting your side project indie band back together in your 50s looking, look cool, you know? And I got to tell you, that's hard to do. But when you're Keanu Reeves, you can make it happen. He really won me over when uh, he w- made the cameo and Always Be My Baby or Always Be My Maybe, the Netflix movie with Randall Park and Ali Wong. Great, great stuff. Tremendous, tremendous content. Also, if if this is at all interesting to you, John Wick 4 is fantastic. I like the, the most John recent Wick John movies. Wick movie. Yeah, I mean, the, then great. you should see John Wick 4. It's like, it's a whole other level. It's in it's Tokyo or something? It's everywhere. There's amazing set pieces in Paris. Oh. I don't want to spoil them. Please don't. Yeah. Great. I mean, maybe that'll be on my list too. After Tar, yeah. of course. Okay, great. Well, we hope you have a great 4th of July. Check out Everything's Fine by Cecilia Robes. And thanks to Zadie Smith for her insightful criticism, commentary, and recommendations. Check out Tar and Past Lives. And thank you to Jade Whaley for producing this episode. We'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, 
a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.